chapters twenty five and twenty six of the measure of a man a tale of the big woods by norman duncan this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty five the trial kiss in these busy days and busy days they were indeed john fairmeadow's thoughts occasionally ran with strange perversity and with aggravatingly increasing frequency to little patty batch of swamp's end and to her extraordinary quest for a suitable father for the baby patty batch must be looked after of course patty batch must have the most perspicacious guardianship in the world in this respect she must have the most profoundly wise advice and the interests of the baby to be sure must properly be regarded john fairmeadow might have picked a father for the baby from the boys of bottle river he fancied with whom the baby would have been quite content captious as the baby now seemed to have become in respect to the company he kept there were some fine fellows on bottle river there were young fellows from the east big hearty young fellows merry efficient and self-respecting any one of whom might have sufficed to guarantee a reasonably secure future for the baby and the baby whose predilection for lumberjacks was well known would have been no doubt eminently satisfied but a relationship of this sort implied a relationship of quite another sort that it was with the relationship of the second description that john fairmeadow was chiefly concerned when it came to choosing a mr patty batch from the boys of bottle river when it came to choosing a mr patty batch from the boys of cant hook and the yellow tail when it came to choosing a mr patty batch from the boys of swamp's end and elegant corners the good minister was altogether at a loss there was only one young fellow indeed of them all from swamp's end to lost chance whom john fairmeadow could with any degree of equanimity consider and when it came bluntly to the consideration of that individual john fairmeadow could only sigh and turn from these romantic musings to the grave problems of his ministry at swamp's end thou fool he was used to saying it may be that having looked back upon the career of this particular candidate he lay awake under his blanket in the bottle river stables it may be that he suffered such pangs as remorse may excite to trouble a man but when he chanced to encounter little patty batch on the trails there was no shadow of melancholy upon him hello patty batch says he with a broad rosy grin hello there john fairmeadow found that father yet nope looked em all over nope got your eyes on anybody in particular nope near the end of the list nope anyhow says fairmeadow chagrined if you're not perfectly suited when you do get to the end of the list be sure to begin all over again and don't you forget young woman that i'm at the head of that list and the very first young man to come up for reconsideration you're going to give me another chance aren't you nope what nope crossed me off nope yep i mean well well cries john fairmeadow that's flat enough i'm sure and now young woman says he in a fine pretence of indignation and despair will you be good enough to tell me what a lovelorn young man like me is to do patty batch found this banter delicious and the more john fairmeadow indulged in it the more she chuckled and the more bewitchingly she grinned 
there was a large earnestness beneath this jesting guise john fairmeadow was persuaded in his big tender heart that the suitable young fellow he had in mind would not only devote himself to the welfare of pattie batch's remarkable baby but would with great love perfect and abounding chastened in adversity cherish little pattie batch herself would pattie batch but allow it but there was at all times present with him in his melancholy brooding this prohibition that the young fellow had himself in other days created the problem of his own unworthiness fanciful perhaps john fairmeadow's young man had been save in one respect not altogether unworthy in his ways and it may be that in the uplifting labour of these days he had won back from the past all the rights of honour as for pattie batch in these jesting times the conscientious little thing was sorely troubled indeed and many a night many a night when the rain was on the roof and the black wind came howling from the forest she cried herself to sleep she could discover no father for the baby there was not a suitable father to be had in swamp's end nor was there a promising candidate at elegant corners nor in all that wide section even to the big river and the northernmost limits of the logosh reservation that is to say there was only one but that one was out of the question quite out of the question and must be dismissed from mind at once and forever however much weeping might be required to accomplish the result as a father for the baby of course the young man in question was perfect in every respect but the foster fatherhood of the baby as pattie batch very well knew implied a relationship which must not must not must not be permitted to encumber the young man's life with a silly worthless ill-born ill-bred dull poverty-stricken perfectly ugly bit of baggage like pattie batch who never had been any good never could be any good and never would be any good even to the baby bless his little heart no sir says pattie batch to the baby who cared not a snap by ginger it wouldn't do with this the baby indifferently agreed it wouldn't do at all poor little pattie batch repeated quite resolved that at all hazard to herself and at all hazard even to the baby the glorious young man must be protected against himself yes sir by ginger declared this heroic little person between sobs at this crisis jimmy the gentleman a bartender at pale peter's red elephant came according what was in his mind heaven knows i should not like to enter and discover at any rate he was of a dashing way a curly-headed blue-eyed bejewelled young sprig of the near east devoted to fashion as it was to be found at big rapids and possessing a twinkle a laugh a saucy charm a bold arm and the conscience of a lively pirate jimmy the gentleman came up the trail from swamp's end of a soft june night it was not his first appearance at pattie batch's cabin at the edge of the woods there had been others in john fairmeadow's absence from swamp's end of course 
and there had previously been certain flirtatious passages in the streets of town of which patty batch ingenuous little one being then on the lookout for a father for the baby was in duty bound to take notice since as she was quite well aware affairs of the heart commonly began in that way proceeding from these small beginnings to the great event desired it had for some time been evident that jemmy the gentleman was in love there was no question about it at all the gentleman's ardent blue eyes his deferential politeness his soft voice his swift and tender little touches in the dusk his significant phrases at parting could mean but one thing and that thing patty batch was quite sure signified in the issue of it the employment of a parson patty batch had come eminently face to face it seemed with a declaration and a proposal and she had already determined being a precise and orderly little person her attitude in respect to the impending situation june dusk fell give me a kiss jimmy whispered patty deliberated ah oh, come on jimmy pleaded give me a kiss won't you it was a tender night it was soft and still and sweet-smelling at the edge of the great woods and far above the little clearing the little stars shone clear making the best of their opportunity to flash their serene messages to the world of hearts before the opulent moon should rise to dim their teaching just one jimmy the gentleman besought they were now at the trail to town well patty batch drawled in doubt i i been jimmy slipped an arm around her i i i been thinkin patty began shyly sure now that the great moment had indeed arrived a little bit about oh come on i been thinkin a little bit patty went on quite steadily now about gettin married jimmy stepped away have you said he blankly maybe patty continued you better had kiss me the gentleman came closer i'll try it said little patty resolutely and see how i like it jimmy kissed her in his accustomed way i don't like it patty cried freeing herself in a passion of humiliation and terror i don't like it oh i don't like it what's the matter with you jimmy demanded i d -d 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 don't n know patty sobbed want another n -n no might as well have another i-i'm awfully sorry jimmy patty wept but i-i don't think you-you'll do the gentleman laughed a little you won't mind will you patty asked in a flush of compassion don't you worry about me said the gentleman little patty whispered softly earnestly i'm so glad you don't mind the moon had risen jimmy the gentleman looked deep into patty batch's glistening and compassionate gray eyes what was in his mind god knows what he said and this in a whisper not meant for the ears of patty batch was no you don't want me i i wouldn't do good-night jimmy good-bye jimmy the gentleman paused in the shadows of the trail beyond grey billy batch's clearing 
he was still in a daze but presently he laughed and went his way towards the lights of swamp's end whistling cheerfully along patty batch went into the cabin in shame such as she had never known before burning red shame flaring in her heart and flushing her face next day was the baby's birthday nobody knew the baby's birthday of course but next day was the baby's birthday nevertheless that is to say it was pop's birthday the birthday of grey billy batch lost in rattle water and decently stowed away in the green field near by town three years ago by young john fairmeadow the baby must have a birthday to be sure why not pop's birthday the memory of grey billy batch would in this be honoured and the baby would be decently outfitted with an anniversary such as every other baby in the world surely possessed john fairmeadow was coming to tea nobody else was coming there was nobody else in fact quite good enough not quite good enough to participate in the celebration of a festival so distinguished and john fairmeadow came came just when the shadows of the great pines at the edge of the clearing had crept near and the flushed sun was dropping into a glowing bed of cloud john fairmeadow was in rare spirits he was quite irresistible with his banter patty batch troubled little heart and strangely detached from all this bubbling happiness almost said yes in sheer absent-mindedness when he demanded to know whether or not she had made up her mind at last to take him for better or for worse john fairmeadow laughed john fairmeadow joked in his gigantic way john fairmeadow tossed and tickled the baby until that knowing prodigy being now on the edge of speech almost commanded him to behave himself and john fairmeadow ate and drank everything in sight when tea was spread on a little table outside in the sunset light when the stars were out and the baby had been stowed away when the mild pine breeze had failed and the mystery of its silence lay again upon the woods and clearing when the great moon had risen round and bright above the pines patty batch walked with john fairmeadow to the trail to town and there at this old parting-place she stood downcast and disquieted i have been wicked she whispered wicked fairmeadow ejaculated in quick alarm i have been very wicked there was silence i got to tell you said patty batch tell me said fairmeadow his alarm now grown beyond him just what a friend may know patty looked away tell me nothing fairmeadow warned i got to fairmeadow waited jimmy the gentleman he well fairmeadow demanded harshly you see sir patty gasped jimmy the gentleman he he kissed me fairmeadow started but presently he possessed himself again and continued silent unable for pain and rage to utter a word he he kissed me that said fairmeadow quietly is a matter easily remedied jimmy the gentleman he added distinctly will not salute you again against your will i will see to it that jimmy the gentleman does not offend again i asked him to you asked him to do that 
yes sir fairmeadow sighed i i asked him patty went on because i i've been looking for a father for the baby and i thought i'd have him to do it she stammered to see to see how i liked it was it very nice no sir was it nice at all no sir would you like him no sir very promptly there was another silence patty had no courage to lift her eyes from the moss fairmeadow stood in amazed contemplation of the downcast little figure the stars looked down winking their perfect understanding of the situation the big moon peeped over the trees as though bound not to miss a moment of the comedy and presently fairmeadow laughed it was no dubious chuckle it was a roar of laughter hearty and prolonged and the stars winked as fast as they very well could and the man in the moon grinned his broadest in sympathy indeed the face of the whole sky was wrinkled and twitching with amusement and kept grinning and winking away until john fairmeadow for the moment a daring fellow took patty batch's little hand in his and tipped up her little face with his forefinger and found her gray eyes with his own and looked deep down therein but not in the way of jimmy the gentleman whereupon of sheer interest the little stars stopped winking and the big round moon intensely agitated peered with shameless curiosity into the clearing and the whole world of sky and forest bent near determined to hear in this silence of the june night every word that young john fairmeadow should say to the little culprit whom he held ever so gently by the hand patty batch said john fairmeadow severely don't you dare to do it again patty flashed him a shy smile young woman fairmeadow continued more severely still if ever you feel that a similar operation performed with perfect propriety would conduce to your peace in the world just glance over your list of eligibles and consider the name of the first applicant thereon set down and then instantly come patty batch fled chuckling up the path with jimmy the gentleman at swamp's end that night john fairmeadow procured the favour of a word or two the words were not many and they were quiet spoken and they were uttered in private moreover they impressed jemmy the gentleman they were so impressive indeed that jemmy the gentleman might have repeated them every one of them word for word had he been required to do so the conclusion which is quite sufficient to repeat was this jemmy my boy you have had a narrow a very narrow escape to which jemmy the gentleman having not yet quite recovered his colour stuttered in reply i-i guess that's right mr fairmeadow it is said john fairmeadow jemmy nodded you bet your life it is john fairmeadow exploded slapping his fist into the palm of his hand uh, yes said jimmy you'll remember and jimmy remembered chapter twenty six under fire now at last the great day had come john fairmeadow was to be examined for ordination if all went well and john fairmeadow devoutly hoped that by some extraordinary chance all might go well if all went well john fairmeadow would presently become a real minister 
that was what the boys wanted that was what they had with many flattering apologies suggested the boys naturally wanted the real thing the boys ought to have the real thing nothing was too good for the boys john fairmeadow was bound to give them the real thing if he could consequently john fairmeadow had for weeks for many months indeed concerned himself in his leisure moments which were few with the sources of christian theology with the nature of god with an intimate examination of the claims of the trinity to existence in fact with the origin of sin and with exegesis apologetics and church history and the like but he was not at all sure with all his labour that his information in respect to these abstruse affairs was either accurate or anything like complete but john fairmeadow must do the best he could the examining committee would presently arrive the committee would be ushered into one-eyed mag's little parlour below and would there proceed with an embarrassing inquisition into john fairmeadow's qualifications for preaching the gospel john fairmeadow thought little enough of those self-same qualifications if theological learning were to constitute them and doubtless the examining committee would think much less of them but john fairmeadow industrious to the end conned his great text-book of systematic theology determined to acquit himself like a man if for nothing else than to honour the boys billy the beast who had lain since midnight trussed up on john fairmeadow's bed opened his eyes parson said he in amazement what the hell are you doing fairmeadow proceeded with his reading god dwells in the universe and is active in the whole of it but is not to be conceived as wholly occupied by it or exhausting his possibilities in conducting its processes readin billy the beast demanded by the eminence of god fairmeadow read on is meant that he is everywhere and always present in the universe nowhere absent from it never separated gimme a drink said billy the beast no billy you can't have a drink the ideas of eminence and transcendence gimme a drink you don't need a drink billy fairmeadow protested without looking up you'll pull through without a drink he went on with his reading the ideas of eminence and transcendence are sometimes set in for god's sake the beast wailed gimme a drink fairmeadow scowled the ideas of eminence and transcendence he read on with a sigh are sometimes set in opposition to each other and each has even had its advocate but this is needless and wrong each conception needs the other transcendence without eminence a flow of soft profanity issued from the beast's dry lips quit it fairmeadow commanded you bother me billy sighed transcendence without eminence fairmeadow read scratching his bewildered head would give us deism cold and barren eminence without transcendence would give us pantheism fatalistic and paralyzing the two coexist in god say his omnipresent energy is his eminence but so great is that say so great is that omnipresent energy that instead of being say billy the beast roared am i going to get that drink or not fairmeadow touched the beast's pulse you are not said he 
instead of being the fully worked slave of the universe that he inhabits and maintains say god is its master say fairmeadow closed the book look here billy said he you don't need a drink you can pull through this time without a drink and you're not going to get a drink be quiet go to sleep don't you see that you're bothering me leave me alone i've enough on my hands to trouble me as it is if in half an hour i don't know a good deal more about god than i seem to know at this minute he added impressively i'll flunk you'll what flunk i tell you that's awful said the beast is it deadly not necessarily fairmeadow replied but it's a very unpleasant experience when billy the beast had been completely informed when he understood the nature and probable event of the impending examination when he knew that examining committee was about to arrive with certain grave questions touching the nature of god he fell silent you go right ahead with your readin parson said he you'll need to don't you mind me and say parson said he if them sky pilots says you don't know more about god than they do you come and loose me that's all you got to do parson you just come up and turn me loose i'll fix it for you fairmeadow was then permitted to reopen his textbook and to proceed to discover a great deal about god's spiritual purpose in the universe and about his right of control throughout the universe which the young fellow had not known before at least in positive terms it was unfortunate of course that the night before john fairmeadow had gone into the cafe of egyptian delights it was more unfortunate still that he had been moved to glance over the collection of stupefied sots in the snake-room the collection had been large and varied it was sunday night and however unfortunate it was that john fairmeadow had been led to glance it over it was more unfortunate still that he had found billy the beast a conspicuous member of that snoring gathering billy the beast evidently come close to the drunkard's most terrible pass john fairmeadow forgot the textbook of systematic theology to which he had been hurrying he forgot even that the committee was coming that his ordination hung in the balance that the boys wanted the real thing and that he had determined to give the boys the real thing if he could manage it there was only one thing to do only one business with which a lay preacher could then properly occupy himself fairmeadow went for his wheelbarrow and having come again shouldered the beast carried him through the bar-room flung him into the barrow trundled him home shouldered him upstairs and put him to bed fairmeadow had thereupon spent the night with the erudite research into the origin of sin and the nature of god it was not until past dawn not until billy the beast had begun to stir and moan in his sleep that fairmeadow trussed him up with a length of stout rope which he kept in his little room above the mother used to make it for that very purpose it's not too tight he thought when he had accomplished this admirable precaution that won't hurt him billy muttered restlessly i wonder fairmeadow thought if god will ever save this poor fellow from his wretchedness i'll pray again he determined the which he did when the committee arrived fairmeadow bade the shivering beast behave himself urged him to make no disturbing noise implored him in particular to make no effort to escape 
eased his bonds a little denied his plea for a dram of liquor peeped for the last time into the nature of god as disclosed in the ponderous textbook of theology and went anxiously below to one-eyed mag's parlour where a committee of two genially awaited him they were fine fellows john fairmeadow was instantly persuaded of it one glance was sufficient glad to see you boys he exclaimed heartily it's awfully good in you to come way out here in the backwoods and bother your heads with a stupid layman and to this warm outburst and to a hearty shake of the hand and to a friendly clap on the back the examining committee responded with smiles equally warm they were both young and they were true to the type in some respects curiously alike they were smartly dressed in well-cut black they were straight and virile they displayed no marks of care their eyes were frank clear intelligent fine fellows both young fellows of high ideals and easy consciences fairmeadow liked them he was himself palpably inferior he was big and brown and abrupt and belligerent and alert and energetic of course but he lacked the refinement of his inquisitors the small graces they so easily displayed and his eyes though frank and eager were a bit bleared by his night's occupation and his hair was tousled and the legs of his trousers were tucked away in his boot tops and his attire was that of a lumberjack and his face was seamed with weather and trouble however it seemed not to matter at all the examining committee had evidently taken a fancy to john fairmeadow boys fairmeadow apologized i'm afraid i'm going to make a fool of myself you see i've been awfully busy out here you see it's the hardest thing in the world to get a minute there was a thump on the floor overhead the hardest thing in the world fairmeadow repeated frowning his ear cocked for sounds from above to get a minute the thump was repeated yes fairmeadow went on awkwardly you see boys out here in the woods the floor creaked overhead i'm sure mr fairmeadow one of the young ministers put in to ease john fairmeadow's embarrassment that you'll do very well now let us not waste time let us of course fairmeadow agreed the sooner this thing is over he added with manifest anxiety to have it over and done with the while listening the better i'll be pleased very well well now mr fairmeadow the examination of john fairmeadow for ordination proceeded it was not a great success in the first place the candidate seemed for some strange reason to have no realizing sense of the importance of the questions he was required to answer instead of heeding his examiners as a diligent student for the honour of ordination might very well be expected to do he displayed an odd and completely unaccountable distraction so that he frequently ejaculated i beg your pardon boys what was that last question moreover it was observed that his replies were confused not altogether it appeared because of dense ignorance but because in part at least of a lack of interest in the proceedings from which his attention continuously wandered and because of an acute and alert interest in respect to some mysterious happenings in a room above these being quite foreign to the matter at hand the committee was unfavourably impressed 
had the committee not been above indulging unkind suspicion the committee might without doing violence to its common sense have suspected john fairmeadow of labouring under a guilty conscience john fairmeadow displayed every symptom of the thing and had it been at all possible for him to cheat the committee under the committee's two noses the candidate such was his uneasiness and flushed condition and nervous demeanour might fairly have been suspected of that disreputable business in addition to this the candidate displayed no impressive acquaintance with the origin of sin could barely scrape through an apology for the trinity was decidedly weak in respect to origin of the book of genesis was of doubtful acquaintance with the church in medieval times and would be hanged said he if he could tell who was caesar of rome when paul preached in athens the examination was eventually interrupted by a crash of glass proceeding from a room upstairs boys said fairmeadow you'll have to excuse me i'm busy mm, certainly said the committee politely and at your convene i'm awfully sorry it has turned out this way fairmeadow apologized i've an unexpected little job on my hands nothing much he added hastily but it may take a little time the committee bowed sympathetically how long will it be before uh, oh not to-day boys fairmeadow replied hastily i've a little job on hand that will keep me all day the fact is at that moment the door was softly opened and a frowsy head was intruded into the examination chamber i found your bottle parson a hoarse voice whispered fairmeadow flashed about in horror parson billy the beast whispered fixing the committee with a baleful glance is them there little dude sky pilots giving you a square deal if they ain't parson i'm loose fairmeadow was far too genuine a man to trouble about what the examining young ministers might suspect in respect to the bottle which billy the beast had discovered in his room the bottle troubled him nevertheless it troubled him chiefly because billy the beast had all too evidently absorbed its contents and was now beyond question not only in a mood to indulge all the devilish propensities and perversities which were accustomed to possess him when in liquor but was helplessly bound towards the renewal of his debauch moreover in that particular stage of intoxication he was a dangerous man he craved fight a gigantic savage unkempt flaring-eyed barbarian spoiling for fight in which he would not scruple to use his feet and his teeth as well as his fists if he could successfully employ them and he cavorted into the room forthwith in the manner of a fighting man advancing and retreating with quick little steps and fainting with his fists he advanced in this threatening manner upon the smart little ministers who promptly rose and in some agitation to meet him and he demanded with every evidence of the intention of knocking their heads together of wringing their neatly collared slender necks and of eating them up for dinner he demanded whether or not it was their purpose to flunk the parson adding before john fairmeadow could interrupt that by the eternal he would instantly put them through a sausage grinder if they should display the least idea of trying it on it was an awkward moment for the young ministers their intimate and authoritative acquaintance with the origin of sin of course 
could not as they were well aware preserve them from the sinful conduct presently to be manifested but they were courageous young fellows notwithstanding and stood bravely to their guns drawn up with dignity and flushed with resentment easy billy fairmeadow put in harshly take care billy leaned close to the younger young minister i want to pull your nose said he softly the younger young minister would not by any means permit the indignity it needs pullin billy urged stand off and i feel just like pullin it billy added stand off now young feller the beast went on rolling up his sleeve i ain't goin to hurt ye stand still and it'll be over in a minute fairmeadow's hand fell heavily on the beast's shoulder that'll do said he no more of it my parson no more of it i say billy the beast felt fairmeadow's hand slip cautiously to his wrist at the same moment he looked into fairmeadow's eyes and discovered fairmeadow's purpose and he was not caught napping he wrenched his hand free leaped away with an oath and stood on guard eyeing big john fairmeadow alertly fairmeadow slipped out of his jacket muttered excuse me for a minute boys to the young ministers with much politeness and advanced cautiously to the attack it was a memorable engagement at least it was never forgotten by the young ministers who had come to determine john fairmeadow's qualifications for preaching the gospel to the lumberjacks of that section but it was not a long engagement john fairmeadow was not used to long engagements of that nature they were altogether opposed to his religion and ethical policy he went swiftly to close quarters with the beast dodged a terrific swing and struck once before he leaped away but he had not struck hard enough pshaw he grunted disgusted and distressed i'll have to hit him again he went in for the second time with a grim and cruel intention it was with the purpose of hitting the beast so hard and at a point so vital that the gigantic lumberjack would crumple up and lie still until he could be put to bed again the affair must issue that way or john fairmeadow's discourse would utterly fail of edifying billy the beast in any degree whatsoever the beast must not be permitted to escape to the saloons fairmeadow advanced don't hurt him the younger young minister feelingly stuttered fairmeadow did not hurt the beast in fact and greatly to his distress fairmeadow missed the beast entirely whereupon the beast with a whoop of triumph laid john fairmeadow flat leaped for the door vanished from the room and scampered off towards the cafe of egyptian delights and fairmeadow jumped up ejaculated excuse me boys we'll have to postpone this examination i must save that man and took after the lumberjack it was night before he returned and he was worn out then and infinitely depressed and hopeless concerning himself his ministry and all the sinful sons of men but he had billy the beast in the wheelbarrow and he carried the man upstairs and put him to bed determined to watch with more devotion until the sot had recovered his sobriety and could control himself on the way to the camps of the canthook cutting in the meantime the examining committee having grown discouraged had departed on the evening train 
leaving word in the form of a communication couched in terms of distinguished politeness that their findings in respect to john fairmeadow's qualifications for ordination would in due time be reported to the body by which they had been commissioned and would no doubt eventually be communicated to john fairmeadow himself with this john fairmeadow must be content but the issue was not in doubt in his mind they would not ordain him how could they why should they john fairmeadow was far better aware than the examining committee of his own wretched ignorance in all things concerning the origin of sin the authorship of genesis the church in the mediaeval ages and the government of rome in the days of the apostle paul hang it all he ejaculated while he sat with billy the beast now and again feeling the wretched fellow's pulse now and again wiping the sweat from his brow i've no time to cram up those things and having changed the subject of his thought he came back with admirable resolution to the old question i wonder he thought if almighty god will ever save this man from his wretchedness anyhow he determined i'm going to pray once more the which he did End of chapter twenty six